Hello and welcome to the Anxiety to Confidence podcast. I'm Siobhan Booth and I am your host. This podcast is for anyone with an interest in mental health, overcoming anxiety and building confidence. Hello and welcome. So as promised, this week we're going to be talking about how you find alternative thoughts to those pesky cognitive distortions that are holding you back. So if this is the first podcast episode of mine you are listening to, then I would strongly recommend you go back and listen to a couple of the other episodes first. So the episode on cognitive distortions, what are they? And my previous episode, which is how to challenge cognitive distortions. Those are very useful for you to listen to before we go on to finding alternative thoughts. Now, if you would like to find out which cognitive distortions you do most often, then head to my website, which is www.anxietytoconfidence.com. That's the number two, so anxietytoconfidence.com, where you can download one of the exercises that I actually do with clients, where you can go through each of the cognitive distortions and work out which ones you tend to do most often. It also comes with a video from one of my workshops, which will explain to you how to go about doing this exercise. So if you're curious to find out what negative thoughts are holding you back, make sure you go and download that exercise. Now today, and in this episode, what I really wanted to do is show you how you can change your thinking. Now, it sounds a little bit alien, and it's a concept that a lot of people don't really consider, but it is possible to change the things that you think. And as with anything, the more you practice, the better you get at it. So over time, if you recognise your cognitive distortions, learn how to challenge them and find alternatives instead, you'll actually teach yourself to start thinking in a much more balanced, healthy and positive way. So to help you out, I'm going to go through each of the cognitive distortions in turn and talk about what alternative thoughts you could try coming up with instead. It does take some time and dedication, but you can stop negative thought patterns and challenge them and replace them. And the aim really is that by doing that, they no longer have such a strong effect on your feelings and therefore they don't impact your behaviours quite so much too. Now, the real aim of all of this is to give you back control, control over the issue that you're having, being anxiety. Okay, so the first one, filtering. So if you remember from previous podcasts, people who filter often minimise or leave out the good things of a day and only focus on or worry about the bad things that have happened. So in an entire day where everything may have gone absolutely fine, but one thing has gone wrong, They think that the entire day has gone wrong. So when it comes to filtering, finding alternative thoughts, you kind of have to ask yourself some questions. So ask yourself realistically, are you only noticing the bad parts? Challenge yourself to see some of the good parts of that situation. Consider what a more realistic way of seeing that situation could be. Now, when we're looking for alternative thoughts, we're not necessarily looking for the opposite of the negative thought because that often doesn't feel true. So if most things have gone well that day, one thing has gone wrong, we don't tell ourselves that that thing is not as bad as we think it is because it might be. What we do instead is we accept that something has gone bad but actually we try and notice all of the other good things as well. 
So consider what you're able to see of today that has gone well and balance it out because nobody's going to have perfect days and nobody's going to have completely bad days. So make sure that when you're going down that pathway of today's been awful, you have a think about really how true that is and what good things have happened. So polarised thinking or black and white thinking, these are our perfectionists who uh, struggle to do anything unless they can see that it's going to be absolutely perfect or think that something is all one thing um, or all not something. For people who engage in black and white thinking, try and consider how things aren't that clear cut. It would be so nice if things were simple and were either completely bad or completely good. But often there's loads of in-betweens, there's often lots of nuances and complications that mean that some parts of it are good, some parts of it are not good, some parts of it might benefit some people, some parts might not benefit others. So if we can take an attitude of trying to understand where the grey areas are in these situations. And we can think about the shades of grey and think about where exactly is this particular thing on that shade of grey. It might be slightly more bad than good, it might be slightly more good than bad, but it's never going to be completely one thing or the other. So challenge yourself to think about things in that way. It will reduce a lot of stress because you won't be constantly trying to achieve this idea of perfection. So if you do something and you're not completely happy with the outcome because it wasn't perfect, then consider on a scale of 1 to 100 where it actually is. And actually if it's in the high 80s or 90s, then you're really close and that's really good. If you're over 50, then it's over halfway there. If it's below, then you can start thinking, well, how would I like to change this so that I can make it a bit better? By thinking in that scale, those shades of grey, you can give yourself a lot more control over the situation and you can make more realistic decisions about whether or not you'd like to improve what you've done or whether or not you're kind of happy with it actually because actually on balance what you've done is a really good job. So try thinking about things in that way. So overgeneralisation. These are the people who often say things like bad things always happen to me, um, everything always goes wrong, work's always rubbish, things like that. Try and think about how things change from day to day. Ask yourself, is there any good reason why the same thing would happen again over and over again? What would be a better way of thinking about this? And crucially, how can I take some control over this situation? So you've identified that something is bad. How can you make sure that things are different next time? What could you change? You can even use some of the other questions that we ask for black and white thinking. Where is this on the scale? Has today really been another bad day? Or has it been mostly okay but something bad happened? Try and challenge those thoughts. Jumping to conclusions. So this is often um, also referred to as mind reading. So thinking we know what other people are thinking about us. This can often happen. I mean, I'm recording this now. It's the first week of December. So lots of people are going to Christmas parties and things. Lots of my clients struggle with social anxieties. 
And often a lot of the things that they stress about are things that actually they don't even know if they're true or not. They're jumping to conclusions. So they're saying things like, uh, what if everyone thinks I'm dull? No one's going to find me interesting. No one's going to care if I'm there or not. We're jumping to conclusions and we're making decisions about other people that we don't know if they're true or not. So questions you can ask yourself. You can ask yourself the obvious. Am I jumping to conclusions here? Is there another perspective on this situation? Is there any real reason to think the way that you think? It might be that people don't engage very well when you talk to them. But it might not be because you're dull, it might be because you haven't quite learned how to communicate effectively yet. And that changes the situation then, doesn't it? Because then you can work on how to communicate better. Ask yourself, are you basing your thoughts on assumptions or do you have any real evidence for this? And sometimes we think we have evidence, but just because somebody responds to us in a certain way doesn't necessarily mean we know what's going on in their head. There can be all sorts of reasons why people react to us negatively, such as they might be having a bad day or, to be honest, they might be a little bit stressed about being at party too and they're not sure how to react to things. So try and think about things in that way. Now, catastrophizing. So this was thinking that the worst is going to happen. This is a bit of a tricky one because often people tell me that the reason they think like this is because they're planning for the worst so that when something better happens, they're pleasantly surprised. And there is a certain amount of logic to this. And I've always been very clear that anxiety is trying to protect you. It just gets a bit overprotective. So to a certain extent, we have to acknowledge that and we have to allow that thought to maybe be considered more realistically. So it's not always a bad thing to think about what might go wrong in a situation, but you need to make sure it's realistic. Planning ahead is a good thing. Planning ahead for some ridiculously unlikely event is a waste of your time and energy. So ask yourself, how likely is the thing that you're worried about? How likely is it to happen? Another good example of this is the horse riders that I often work with. Now, horse riding is a dangerous sport. We can't get away from that fact. But if you're constantly thinking that the worst thing is going to happen, then you're thinking about things that are highly unlikely. And the difficulty is as well, with things like horse riding, things that you have more control over, the more you think about it going wrong, the more likely it is to go wrong. So we're creating an issue that might not happen. So ask yourself, is it really that likely to happen? Tell yourself that you're calm and in control, even if the worst thing does happen. And if it does happen, you'll deal with it. Personalization. So this is where we take on a lot of the responsibility for other people's feelings. So finding positives in personalization is to ask yourself, is this really about me? Is there anything realistically that you could have done here? Is it really worth comparing yourself to other people when you can't know what other people are going through? And is there a more rational way of thinking about this? Control fallacies. So this can go both ways. This can be where somebody either feels like they themselves 
are responsible for everything that goes wrong. Or it can be that everybody else is responsible. So this is a really good time to start being a lot more honest with yourself. If you did something badly, then are you the only person at fault here? Can you fix it or do something about it? Can you do something differently next time? Often doing things wrong is actually a really useful way of learning. So although it feels bad at the time, there can be loads of positives that can come from doing things wrong. Ask yourself, am I really that responsible for everything? Is it possible that somebody else is just having a bad day today? And again, consider what's a more rational way of thinking about this. I mean, this is a question that comes up a lot because when we're having these extreme negative thoughts that are causing us such distress, even the act of asking yourself, what is a more rational way of looking at this, can get you to think about the options and weigh things up a bit more. So fallacy of fairness, this is where somebody who um, has put a lot into something feels like they deserve something back. And this can be quite a challenging one because unfortunately the world isn't fair. We've all grown up with that accolade from our parents. Life's not fair. And annoyingly it's true. So the challenge here is to kind of understand if you feel like you're owed something or you feel like people should be giving something back because you've given them something, you have to really think about how other people don't have the same sense of fairness that you do. And it can be so frustrating. I do understand and empathise a lot with this particular distortion, but it's, it's so important that you learn to challenge it because otherwise it can really start to cause problems in relationships. So different people have the same idea of fairness that you do. So what has that person done for you that maybe has been more positive? Maybe they're not giving back in the way that you'd like them to, but is there something else that they offer you that is a really positive thing. That can be a really useful way to think about it in terms of relationships. And again, is there a more rational way of dealing with this? Blaming. So the thing with blaming other people for how we feel is that unfortunately, nobody can make us feel a particular way. The only people that control how we feel is ourselves. So we're the only ones that have control over our emotions and our emotional reactions. So this can be really difficult because certain types of people often trigger us. Um, Certain people say things that make us feel a certain way. And blaming those people doesn't really help because you can't change other people. That's the frustration that a lot of people have. So you can ask yourself, why am I blaming somebody else? How could I choose to react in this situation that would be more congruent with my values and my beliefs? How could I behave differently? Shoulds. So if you remember from previous podcasts, people who um, have the cognitive distortion of should feel like they should be doing certain things and get very anxious and stressed if they aren't living up to their own expectations of things. So this is something that if this is what you struggle with, you can ask yourself, are you putting too much pressure on yourself? Spend some time analysing your expectations and really consider whether they're attainable or not. 
Consider how you would feel if a friend was doing the same thing, what advice you would give them. If you're somebody that really is very ambitious and feels like your shoulds are the only way that you're pushing yourself to achieve more, then consider instead setting realistic goals. I'm a big fan of the SMART goal setting, um, which actually I'll cover in a, in a future episode. So make sure you subscribe. But make sure you set goals in the right way so that you know that you can meet those goals and then you can celebrate success. Because what can happen with a should person is they have all these crazy things that they want to be able to do and they're ambitious and they know they're capable, but they don't necessarily live up to their own expectations and then they give up. And that's awful when that happens. So instead, we can control the should and we can set realistic goals so that you can actually achieve the things that you want to achieve. And the important thing is celebrate those successes because that's how we build confidence is by achieving things. Emotional reasoning. This is a very common one. So people think that because they feel something, therefore it must be true. So learn to challenge the way you think and feel. Our thoughts are just thoughts and our feelings are just feelings. They're not always true. And unfortunately, we can't always rely on them. And interestingly, they can be very changeable particularly when we're younger, not so much when we get beyond the age of about 30, but particularly when we're younger, our feelings can be very volatile. One day we absolutely love and adore somebody, the next day we hate them. It can be very um, up and down. So understanding that your emotions can just be not the most realistic representation of how you actually feel about something is really, really useful. And it's really helpful for making sure that you don't react strongly in the moment to something that later on you won't be that fussed about. The fallacy of change. So if you remember, this is where we expect that we can change other people. Now, as I've already mentioned, under blaming, unfortunately, we can't control anyone else. We can't change the way people are. So the solution to this is to focus on yourself and ask yourself questions like, what would make me happy? And consider with somebody else, what do you actually like about that person? Are you putting too much pressure on them? Are expectations of someone unrealistic? It can be very frustrating for people when they have these huge expectations of somebody else and they don't live up to it. But it's hugely unfair on that other person because they may not even know that those expectations are there and they may have absolutely no interest in living up to those kind of expectations. So we have to learn to focus on ourselves and kind of let other people just do whatever they do and focus on us, what makes us better, what makes us happier and not try and control what other people around you are doing. Global labelling. So this is where somebody who has spent a long time thinking negative thoughts actually assigns labels to themselves like stupid or thick or things like that, and genuinely believe that that's just who they are now. And sometimes they do it to other people as well. So they might describe a friend as somebody who's not that bright because maybe they're a bit fluffy or whatever. So ask yourself if you're assigning a negative label to a situation that could be seen differently, particularly with people 
Where we may be deficient in some areas, we usually make up for it in other areas. So it might be that a friend is a bit dippy, but there will be other things that they provide that somebody else couldn't. And it may be that you aren't the most academically intellectual person, but there are other types of intelligence that you may be much more suited to that are just as necessary for the functioning of the world as academia. Consider how somebody else would describe the situation kindly. So give yourself permission to not be good at everything, but don't make that your identity. Don't label yourself as stupid or anything like that just because you're not good at one thing. Always being right. This can be a tricky one. It's very difficult for somebody who has the cognitive distortion of always needing to be right to get them to challenge it. Um, so if you've been very self-aware and self-honest and you've identified this as an issue for you, um, then you've already made a massive step, so well done. So tell yourself that it's okay to be wrong sometimes. But more importantly, I guess, consider whether being right is more important to you than the person in front of you. Sometimes we're so keen on being right that we'll sacrifice other people's feelings for that. And actually, sometimes being right isn't the most important thing. And heaven's reward fallacy. So in this case, admit to yourself that things that you did were for you. Ask yourself if you would have done those things again. If the answer to those is true, then you're not really owed anything. We often think that we're owed stuff by because we've done good things. But often we do good things because they make us feel good. So actually we've already had the reward, it made us feel good. So whatever you've done that you feel like you deserve some reward for, tell yourself that you've learned and you'll grow from the experience. Have a look at the things that you have gained from doing it instead of trying to feel like the world owes you something. So there's just a run through of how we can think about alternative thoughts. How we can think about different ways of thinking and how we can analyse our thoughts and ask ourselves questions in order to broaden the way that we think about something. And it's really useful if you can in situations to ask yourself some of these questions. To group them all together is something simple. An easy question is to ask is, is there a more rational way of thinking about this? That's a really good question. And then it means that you can consider the situation and consider your reactions to the situation before it gets overly emotional and out of hand. So in my next podcast, we're going to be moving into the Christmas spirit And we're going to be talking about how to cope with Christmas parties when you have anxiety, Uh, particularly social anxiety, but anxiety in general, because there's lots of different ways that anxiety can affect you, um, particularly when it comes around to Christmas. So next week, we're going to be focusing on Christmas parties, and I'm going to be giving you some tips on how you can make Christmas parties fun, even if anxiety is an issue for you. And some of that will be going back over negative thoughts, how to challenge negative thoughts, and how to come up with alternatives and also how to do things differently so that you don't end up in situations that make you feel anxious. So make sure you subscribe to the podcast and then you'll get a notification when the next episode is available. 
If you've enjoyed the podcast and you found something useful about it, please do leave me a review. It's really helpful to know that people have benefited from this and it helps other people find the podcast who may be looking for help. Until next week, see you then. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Anxiety to Confidence podcast. You can find more information and my extensive blog at www.anxietytoconfidence.com. That's the number two, anxietytoconfidence.com.